She's not tanning, look at us go Watching pitch perfect, twilight is torn, man Weekend is gone, watching her love Rose that went by that you don't know And I can't drink her, this is her time Away we go, mm -hmm. away we go Away we go, mm -hmm. the Annie Kendrick show back to another another episode of kicking it with kendrick i am one of your hosts pierre and as always i am joined by the lovely jeff hello jeff hello pierre i am really excited for this episode uh how about how about yourself i mean it depends how i feel about the movie so we'll see we'll see what happens uh, when we talk about the movie i did have to catch myself there before i said something untoward mm. about something we're going to talk about a long time later. Okay. But first, before we talk about the movie, we should talk about our guests. Returning from last week, he survived the audience vote, thankfully. This is Astro. Astro, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here again. And we also have a, I mean, a new guest, uh, Rachel. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I guess it feels weird because we've had another Rachel before. So it feels weird saying that you are new, but yeah. Yeah, this is a different Rachel yeah, than the last clear. time. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeff, what are we uh, doing today? So today we're going to be talking about the movie Drinking Buddies. And Drinking Buddies, obviously, is a movie that uh, centers around drinking. And like, we'll talk about the movie later on, but I thought it would be a really nice idea because this is a movie about drinking and about people who have their own brewery, actually. I thought it would be an interesting idea for all of us to bring a hopefully local, but maybe not, drink and just introduce it and then maybe talk about what movie you would pair it with. If you guys are all okay with it, I can go first to sort of demonstrate what this concept is all about. So, today I have brought an open Merlot, which hopefully you guys can see on the camera here. Uh, audio listeners, hopefully you can see that on the camera too. A lot of times when I'm looking for something to drink, I'm usually going for something cheap. It's not because I like want to get something that's specifically cheap. It's because I don't have a lot of money. So what's really nice about open is most of their wines are about 12 bucks for the bottle. And beyond just being $12 for a bottle, they're also pretty good. I, I am not paid by open to say this because, uh, and you should notice that probably because I'm not saying the absolute most flattering things, but they are really good. This is probably my favorite wine and it comes straight out of Kelowna where I lived up until about a year ago. Except what is very interesting is they have a winery in Kelowna and right near where I currently live, Niagara. Pierre, you may remember this. Um, a long time ago, we were talking to Dakota, I, but this wouldn't have been in the episode. But I was also drinking 
uh, open wine during that recording session. And he said, oh, that's a local brewery from Toronto. And I was very confused, or not brewery, winery, vineyard. I was very confused because no, it wasn't. It was from Kelowna. It said so on the bottle. But now that I'm in Toronto, it says Niagara. So they actually have a winery in Kelowna and in Niagara. So I just thought that was pretty cool. Uh, my favorite one of theirs is the Smooth Red, which is a blend. But uh, today I went with the Merlot. And what I decided to pair it with is the movie Another Round, which uh, is a little bit of a strange choice because the most featured drink in Another Round is beer. But or some of our listeners may remember the AODR awards that we did last year. And during that one, we talked about the food and drink branch award. And for that, I poured myself a glass of open Merlot. And then immediately afterwards, I had to open a beer because it was time for another round. So in a way, I have already paired that movie with this wine. So I thought it would work. Anyway, I don't know if you've seen another round. Have you, Pierre? I still haven't. It's on my hard drive, though. So like it's there. That's awesome, because I, I really hope that uh, you can watch it at some point. What I really like about Another Round is, um, I mean, it is just fully about drinking. So if there is any doubt that I might pick a movie that's only extremely tangentially about alcohol, not so today. What a life, what a night, what a beautiful, beautiful ride. It's about four high school teachers in Denmark who decide to test a theory that you perform better in all aspects of your life when you are just a little bit drunk. I think above like 0.2 blood alcohol or something, which is a very dumb theory. I mean, really all that that's going to do is make whoever's testing it into an alcoholic. And that's what happens in this movie. They all sort of have pretty brutal falls from grace but i think what's interesting about it is it does show it's it's a movie that like could not exist without danish drinking culture and i may have said it before on one of our shows i actually grew up or i went to high school in germany which is not denmark but in europe in general they have like a much different culture around drinking than they do in canada and the united states over in germany as soon as you hit 16 you're drinking a lot just because that's, I mean, you don't have to, every person is different, but certainly like that's kind of an expectation. Like there's gonna be beer at all of your events, a lot of like just class get togethers. The very first thing is like three people will go to the store and get like 14 crates of beer for whatever event it is. Drinking is like almost a social requirement in some parts of the European culture where it, in, in a different way than it is in North America. For one thing, I think that another round portrays that really well and at the same time like condemns it without being like an anti-drinking movie. I think that by the very end, if you come away from it and you just like want to go get another beer, that's totally cool. But also if you come away from it like 
with a more negative opinion of social drinking, that also can happen. I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it's a really interesting look at European drinking culture that I haven't seen before in like Hollywood movies. And I guess we're about to see because that's being remade with Leonardo DiCaprio for some dang reason. Can I just interject as well? Absolutely, uh, please do. Because I, I, I really like Another Round as well. And it's really interesting to hear your uh, kind of perspective as non-European, although partly, you know, some experience. Yeah, I I kind of read the film slightly differently to that because um, I didn't really get any major condemnation of drinking other than drinking to excess, really, because it all escalates quite a lot, doesn't it? And I think what I'm trying to say is not so much it's a condemnation of drinking, but there are parts of the movie that are very much a condemnation of the culture surrounding excessive drinking. Yeah. And that's more what it is. It doesn't really seem to me like the director and writer, Thomas Vinterberg, is at any point condemning the fact that any of his characters drink. If anything, he's critical of certainly the amount to which they drink, because they do drink in excess, but also not just the fact that they drink to excess, but also that the culture around them kind of promotes that. Yeah, that that's interesting. It's a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Pierre, I very much hope that you will watch another round at some point, because I would love to hear your thoughts on it. As someone with another completely different life from me who I am interested in hearing the perspective of. Well, I will have to pair it with that lovely drink that you just recommended and not and yeah, they're so not sponsored by obviously but if open does want to sponsor us literally just give me copy because like i would actually love to know a lot more about open wineries but they do not have an about page so if op if anyone from open wineries is hearing this that is a major flaw with your website you need an about page so that's my drink and my movie who would like to go next i can go Thank you, Rachel. So I have Kilt Lifter, which is a Four Peaks brewery. I don't understand my husband's webcam. Um, <laughs> he uses it to tutor, though. Apparently it works well enough. But it is a Scottish-style amber ale, which really, to me, just means it's not like a lager. I don't like uh, really light beers, and I hate IPA. And this one is 6% alcohol, so it's a good pick in arizona it's pretty common it's it's gotten pretty big at least statewide so almost any restaurant or bar you go to will have it on tap so it's sort of a good go-to for when you don't want like a a light domestic um mm -hmm. or like a blue moon and then you get to like pat yourself on the back because it's local and you're uh, helping local business and my movie is also not especially related but i chose seven psychopaths which I feel is drinking related enough. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. Calling all psychopaths. Are you mental? Or deranged? No. Maybe you've recently been hospitalized. But are now okay. Get in the house. Get in the house! Okay, you seem normal. Come on in. Maybe the world just doesn't understand you. Put your hands up. No. Why not? I want to, but I've got a gun. I don't care. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Too bad. Well, I made a movie. What's it called? 
Seven psychopaths? Hmm? I want to know what happens at the end. I want it to be life-affirming. Life-affirming? We'll be making French movies now. No shootouts. No shootouts? Mm-hmm. No shootouts? No? No! And I mean, more so than being about drinking, it's about a drunk. <laughs> I, I partly chose it because of its contrast to today's movie in sort of every way, in that it's my favorite and it's sort of more my favorite tone of movie and kind of movie, <laughs> which is foreshadowing. But um, it, it condemns drinking, I would, I would say, in a pretty normal American way, which is just like, when we think of drinking culture, we think of alcoholism. Um, especially in places where people drive. Like, I'm from somewhere everyone has to drive. So if, if you drink every night, you're driving drunk. I don't really know how. Or you're getting home and drinking. It's, like, a big part of it. So without that ability to, like, walk or, or take any transportation, being that heavy of a drinker is, like, that's a big deal. But, yeah, that's my, that's one of my top, probably top ten favorite movies, so... And uh, not not to put Pierre on the spot here again, but just to put Pierre on the spot real quick. Have you seen Seven Psychopaths, Pierre? I have, like, a long time ago. I think I fell asleep or something during it, though. I'm sorry, Rachel. That's the yeah, one with uh, okay. Colin Farrell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Christopher cool. Walken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I can't remember anything about it. Is that by the guy who did In Bruges, or is that by his brother? Is I think it's by the guy who did in Bruges because he's the only person who knows how to cast Colin Farrell correctly. Is how I always right. think of it. Because it's like I hate him and everything else, and he's good in that. <laughs> he needs to be a little unlikable. They tend to mm -hmm. like mess that up. <laughs> well, Pierre, which one did you go with? So you said local, so I went for the most obvious local one. We have the Okanagan apple cider because <laughs> it says born in bc how cute is that oh my god nice and it's a black cherry flavored one because uh i don't know i really like black cherry i don't really drink that much i'm not gonna lie i don't like drinking but this one is pretty easy to drink because you know it's a cider if you want to shotgun it you got that option too it's very nice and uh i don't know it's a, it's a pleasant drink for any occasion you can drink it casually while watching a movie or like I said, you can get really drunk if you drink like 10 of them. So, you know, accessible to everyone. Um, even my mom can drink ciders. My mom, I was weird, my mom can't drink usually, but she can drink ciders. Like, I think she was, she's like, oh, I can't drink alcohol. But then she, she tried a cider and didn't know it had alcohol. So that was like orange juice or something or apple juice. So, you know, that cider's amazing. It, it can get anyone into drinking, apparently. My sister is the same way. She, like, never drinks, but then, like, I'll be visiting my parents, and she will have been there for two more days than I did, and, like, she's already gone through an entire six-pack of cider. <laughs> yeah, I started with cider. I couldn't drink, I couldn't stand beer, but I started with cider, and that's, yeah. 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 I think it also helps that over in over in Britain, when we were visiting London, I think, maybe it was Liverpool, but when we were visiting London a long time ago, they have a apple cider over there called Bulmers. Mm -hmm. So uh, me, me and my sister really liked that. Did you try the uh, fruity Bulmers or just the standard apple Bulmers? I think we went as risky as the pear, but that's about it. <laughs> that's, I, I can't drink cider anymore. It's uh, I started off with cider, and now it is dead to me. I occasionally have a, a, a sneaky perry, which is essentially flat pear cider, but that's about as extreme as I get along the fruit 
alcohol uh, <laughs> spectrum. Is it because you have like a bad experience with cider once? And you're just like, no more, never again. Uh, let's just say maybe when I was about 14, I was violently ill. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, and then I chose to pair this with the movie Deadpool. Because just like this, this cider, Ryan Reynolds was also born in BC. Um, Deadpool was shot in BC. The flavor is black cherry, and I'm thinking black and red, which reminds me of Deadpool. Hello there. Welcome back. I'm glad you could join me today. Let's just drive right in and run all the colors across the screen that you'll need to paint along with me. I have my regular old canvas here wet and ready to go. Now, let's grab our trusty two-inch brush here. Whack that off real good. Just beat it like it owes you money. We're gonna get a little dab of our yellow snow here. We're gonna mix that with just another little dab of our Betty White. Now, let's just dance in a happy little sky. Now remember, this is your world. You get to make and break the rules here. Sweet baby Jesus. Wish I could jump in there and roll around in all that cascading white powder. Yeah, just get high in all of life's splendor. God, I love cocaine. So much. Holy fuck knuckles, I am high as a kite right now. And honestly, Deadpool is just like a really fun movie to watch. I mean, I think it's fun when you're sober, but I feel like being drunk could only enhance one, maybe not enhance the experience, but it's definitely, it'd be an, a, a different experience that would be equally enjoyable in different ways if you were to watch, be watching Deadpool. Um, a good drunk watch. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Deadpool's one of my, I don't know if it's one of my favorite movies ever, but it's definitely one of the most memorable. I still remember watching it in theaters. And it's probably the most I've ever laughed in a theater. So, uh, so that, it's, it's a good movie. And, you know, I think a cider, cider kind of, Pairs along well with it, you know, like Deadpool's a superhero movie. It's like, except like a lot of really young people watched it for some reason. They got into the theater, just like a lot of apparently 14 year olds drink too much cider. So, uh, yeah, I feel like they just work really well together. And like Deadpool's, a, it's a superhero movie, which obviously is like all about excess, just by nature of being a superhero movie. It's a good like starter R-rated movie if you're, you know, 13 and you've never seen an R-rated movie before. Yeah. Pairs well with something that's easy to accidentally drink to excess that's also a good starter drink. Yeah, it just makes well. I just feel that you're winding me up a little bit because, uh, you know, my feelings on, on Ryan Reynolds. Oh yeah, so, sorry. Oh, yeah. That's do you just hate him? There is a story behind this. And he's, he, he owns, now owns the football club who are my team's Wait. arch nemesis. And oh. uh, yeah, so Ryan Reynolds is dead to me. I used to like uh, Deadpool a lot, <laughs> but now, no. no. Well, that's actually especially interesting because if Ryan Reynolds is dead to you and Ciders are dead to you, I mean, everything that gets said here just makes that pairing more and more perfect. <laughs> so, Astra, I noticed you you have been slowly pouring your drink of taste. Yeah, it's what been a long that? week. I've I've <laughs> kind of I've exhausted my supply of uh, of very local beer. So, I did uh, technically 
I exhausted it before I even joined this podcast. Uh, so um, I got, yeah, a, a shout out to um, my very local brewery, which is Broccoli Brewery, um, just down the road. Um, and always nice. They do a, a lovely range of stuff. Unfortunately, my, my corner shop this afternoon was totally out of any of their, their beers, which was disappointing. And I'd accidentally drunk the one that I was saving for this. So uh, apologies. <laughs> so um, now I am drinking a traditional English ale. Uh, an English pale ale. Yeah, it's all right. But I suppose it pairs quite nicely with the film that I've, I've picked, which is uh, With Nail and I. Um, which is definitely one of my all-time favourite films, and uh, a film I've probably watched as much, if not more, than any other film. Have, have any of you guys watched it? Do, are you aware of With Nail? I'm aware of it, but I've never seen it. Ah, okay, so it's a, a kind of a British classic, I suppose. It's, it's regularly voted one of the best British films of all time. It's certainly in the top... 10 or 20, possibly. To a delightful weekend in the country. You are cordially invited to spend a carefree weekend in the English countryside. Bask in the warm sunshine. We've gone on holiday by mistake. Enjoy the rustic pleasure of country living. It's gonna be so cold in here. It's like Greenland in here. Wants to get down there and have sex with those cows. Partake of fine varietal wine. Oh, drunk. I assure you I'm not, officer. I've only had a few ales. Take lunch at a charming pub. We want the finest wines available to humanity. We want them here and we want them now. Fraternize with cheery locals. I don't care where you come from. Ponce! Experience culinary pleasure. So I can make it die. There is, you will agree, certain je ne sais quoi about a firm young carrot. Fish in the region's streams. Don't threaten me with a dead fish. Withnil and I, a trip worth taking. Absolute and it's about two kind of quite eccentric people in the late uh, late 60s in Britain. It's uh, it was made in the kind of mid mid 80s, and it stars what's his face? <laughs> I should should remember Richard this. Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant as uh, Withnell and Paul McGann as as I or you know Manwood and. Essentially, it's just about them kind of, I don't know, consuming alcohol and drugs and meeting random people. It, there's a lot more to it than that. It's a, obviously uh, it's a, an important social commentary and it's very much about a kind of a time in, uh, in Britain between kind of, I don't know, the wars, I suppose, whilst Britain's still getting kind of back on its feet, but struggling and it's kind of about aspiration and you know hope and lack of hope but also the interesting kind of weird people who live in britain i think 
which is one of the reasons I love it. It shows the scene, some, there's some beautiful scenery in it. They go up to the Lake District and the Peak District, but it's also very much kind of London. They are from London, they live in London, and it ex- kind of explores that urban-rural divide. Mm-hmm. But they do get very drunk. <laughs> not, not to grill you here more than I grilled anyone else, but <laughs> as we've been talking about our drinking movies mine was one about was one specifically about drinking to excess and rachel's and pierre's were both ones where drinking to to excess sort of factors in in a negative way but yours i've noticed is also the only other one that's like i mean i guess a european film about drinking i guess technically seven psychopaths is european because it's made by someone who's from who's english but that's about the only thing there But I am curious, like, how does alcohol and drinking factor into your movie other than that, you know, the characters get very drunk? Because I know that famously it is a drinking movie. Yeah, I I once attempted, this wasn't the cider time, I hasten to add, but I once attempted to, uh, there is a a famous kind of with nail drink along um, where you take a drink every time somebody drinks. And, you know, there was a point in my life where I could drink quite a lot and uh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, wow. So, uh, you know, they do drink and consume all sorts. Uh, you know, there's a moment where he drinks kind of lighter fluid um, because they've got nothing left. Uh, <laughs> they go into a, a kind of a very rural cafe that just serves cakes and teas and uh, demand the finest wines known to humanity and they want it fucking now um and yeah so it's i don't know i i I think europeans know how to drink in a certain way and this is a very kind of it's it's not about working class drinkers it's about kind of people who have who are a little bit down on the luck and how drink kind of becomes part of that life style to a certain extent. It's about a lot more than that, though, as well. So I would, I'd, I'd really encourage you all to see it. It's great. I did initially want to watch it before this episode, but I ended up running out of time. That's fair enough. It's I, I know the feeling. <laughs> Well, just to sum up, uh, the movies that we've recommended were With Nail and I, Deadpool, Seven Psychopaths, and Another Round. And I tried to write down all the vineyards slash breweries. We had, I wrote down Broccoli Brewery, but I think I wrote that wrong. It's a Broccoli Brewery. So um, yeah, B-R-O-C-K-L-E-Y. That makes more sense. So we've got Broccoli Brewery, Okanagan Cider, Kilt Lifter, and Open, none of which have sponsored us, but all of which are welcome to. Please send me copy. I'll make an ad. I'll make it happen. I guess without much further ado, we are about to talk about a different drinking movie that uh, I guess technically none of us should have recommended anyway because we're about to talk about it at length. But you will notice that none of us did recommend it as one of our drinking movies. So... We will see how that goes in uh, just a couple of minutes here.
When it comes to weddings, you want something that you know most people are gonna like. Gets everyone sufficiently drunk. No fights between the families. Can I see the ring? Oh my god. What? Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's great. What'd you do wrong? Stop working so hard. I don't want you guys to strain yourself. Oh, okay. Thank you, Kate. Some Greek salad. It's disgusting. I'm trying not to get scurvy. Come on, not my beer. That's an expert beer tasting technique. Really? Oh no! You're gonna get me fired. Chris is here. I can't wait to meet him. If I introduce you, don't say anything stupid or mean. Everybody! Pleasure, yeah. Heard a lot of great things about you, and we're excited to have you. Really? Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. One more beer. Oh, no, I'm fine. No, baby, I gotta go. Good night, Kate. We'll see you at work. Gonna you guys in a hike. Will it offend you at all if I say no? Absolutely not. No way that I'm not going. <laughs> How about you? You want to go? I guess you have to take a person at their word that they're actually into you. Let's get weird. I have an idea. Let's go swimming. Why not? Let's go. I'm going to go in. Last chance. Come on. If we want to get married, which we do, I would love to reopen the floor for that conversation. I don't think that this is working. And I think eight months is enough time to know whether something's going to work. Tonight, no one's going home to their significant other because I no longer have one. To be in our house and hanging out with us. To our new kid. Oh. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. The problem with heartbreak is that to you it's it's like an atomic bomb and to the world it's just really cliche because in the end we all have the same experience. And welcome back everyone to the second part of the episode where we talk about the actual movie that we are talking about, which is obviously related to drinking. I, did we say the movie, Jeff? I'm maybe briefly, but just in case we didn't, this movie is Drinking Buddies. Yes, Drinking Buddies starring Olivia. Okay, how do I actually pronounce her name? I can't even remember. Is it Wild or Wildy? It's or Wild because it's an Oscar yeah. Wilde reference, oh, I think. I see. Olivia Wilde. Oh, is that not her real name? I guess that makes sense, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a stage name. I gotcha. Think. Uh, we got Jake Johnson, we got Ron Livingston, and obviously Anna Kendrick. So, like, before we say anything else, I just want to touch on something that we talked about, I think, last week. This is another movie with a person from Office Space in it. So it's it's super weird how many movies Anna Kendrick is in with the cast of Office Space. This is another one. Rod Livingston is also, like, definitely the odd one out in this movie, but we'll get to that. Yeah, it was weird having him on the poster and then, like... Because, okay, this the movie was a lot different than I expected. I guess we'll find, like, Jeff, do you want to talk about what the movie was about? I do, but last week we tried to make Dario summarize the movie. And um, one, I think you noted, noted that, like, we've never done that to a guest before. But we're going to do that to a guest this time. Uh, Astro or Rachel, which one of you wants to summarize the movie? I'm willing to if you want. All right, do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
without interjecting, I guess, too much commentary, if I can. Like, I guess it, it mainly starts with a friendship between two people that work together at a brewery, and it's a very sort of close friendship. They seem to have a good rapport with each other. I would say it's then sort of revealed that they both have other relationships with people. Jake Johnson is engaged, sort of long-term engaged, with no end in sight to Anna Kendrick, and Olivia Wilde's character is dating, I guess maybe, I think it's for like eight months. It's been for months now that she's been dating Ron Livingston. And they all hang out together. And I I would say overall, it's mumblecore. So it's so hard to like, even really place a plot. But sort of, Jake Johnson and Olivia Wilde grapple with a chemistry that they have that they can't seem to ignore. Anna Kendrick and Ron Livingston have a moment. Um, and sort of all people involved doubt their relationships with each other, what they should be, what the status of those should be, and work through that is, is probably <laughs> the best I can do. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to nail down like a, the plot starts here and the plot ends here with this movie. Because yeah. it's just sort of... It's minutia. Like if you went through... Yeah. Like, and then they all went camping and there was this one moment and it's like, okay great like i don't know so yeah it basically just deals with how these relationships i guess progress <laughs> yeah they progress in like a full 360 and i i don't mind that but sort of yeah the whole point is like everyone ends up right where they started in my opinion yeah other than ron livingston <laughs> i guess yeah ron livingston is kind of like a weird i mean a weird casting choice anyway but like he's kind of yes. weird in this movie he's like Whoa. All of the other characters are 30-something hipsters, and Ron Livingston is also a 30-something hipster, but he's a late 40s hipster. Right. Yeah. yeah. He looked kind of tired, honestly. <laughs> Maybe that was his role, but he just looked like he didn't want to be there, which I think also, yeah, was part of his character. Yeah. But... He's so funny. It's heartbreaking to see him like placed in a position where he's not even just playing the straight man. Like He has like no jokes the entire time. Oh, it's because they didn't write any jokes, because they didn't write any script, because they don't write things for these movies. Yeah. But also, I thought his character was, like, the most sane person in the movie, too, if that makes sense. He was the most mature in that, like, he he didn't, like, really manipulate anyone or, like, get into his feels or anything. He was like, oh, okay, I'm not really feeling it. And then he leaves the movie. And you're like... And you're like, wow, okay, I wonder if he's going to come back. And he doesn't come back. <laughs> well, it's because yeah. he's, it, he's 43, he's got a job, he's <laughs> yeah. got a bad back. <laughs> that might be part of it, yeah. He's just like, what am I doing to hang out with these like literal like kids <laughs> compared to I me? mean, I think it's weird how I'm always hanging out with Gary and his 15-year-old <clears throat> friends all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that last night. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, for me, it kind of, uh, you know, in my 20s, I was very much like the Jake Johnson character. What's his name? Luke? And Is it? I don't know. I don't even it, know. I think of them all by their actors. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'd say now I'm much more along the boring Ron Livingston side of, you know, sitting in and eating my dinner and not, lo- not really wanting somebody to eat off my plate. <laughs> Wait, was that is that what his character would do? I thought he offered the food, right? He did yeah, offer but the he food. Didn't take it. Yeah. 
Oh, I see. She, like, refused. He was like, do you want me to make your, you your own plate? That's actually one of the moments I feel like is good comedy, but it's not timed exactly correctly to be especially funny. But we're just being like, do you, I can seriously, I can make you a plate. And I'd be like, no, I'm, like, not hungry and eating half of his food. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was the first sign of the relationship collapsing, I guess, as the movie right. <laughs> shows. But, yeah, I don't Did you guys like this movie? Like, Astra, what do you think? I, I actually, I do quite like this movie. And I've, oh, I've, I get a sense that, you know, I might be in my in a minority here. Um, I, I've now watched this film about three times, I think. And possibly a fourth, but I maybe fell asleep when I was drunk. I don't get that drunk anymore, honestly. I promise. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's, there's lots of nice little moments uh, in it. I really like the minutiae of life and I like it when it's kind of played out by people who are kind of somewhat interesting if not you know traditionally or you know exciting or anything and I I kind of as I say I kind of do identify with the Ron Livingston character and you know I've had relationships where some of the characters have been mad and you know leave a mess on the day that they're moving out and need some help. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's maybe me projecting uh, <laughs> myself into this a little bit too much. But, um, I, yeah, I quite like it. Good for you, Astro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the point of Mumblecore is to project, right? That's like yeah. the whole idea. And, and, you know, on that point, I, I, I think... I, Mumblecore is a, about the same. Well, it, you know, the, the kind of directors and the people, they're roughly the same age as me. And so I kind of I grew up. It was the exciting, new, slightly different thing when I was kind of searching for the slightly odd, interesting thing. And, you know, I know it's not for everybody, but, you know, Raymond Carver's my favorite author and he writes incredible short stories about people doing literally nothing <laughs> i think that is kind of the strength of at least the two mumblecore movies we've watched so far is you know if you can relate to any of the characters you can really relate to the characters and the characters like the actors literally don't have a script so everything they're saying has to be either like is to some degree a little bit authentic so you know if you can also relate to that character, then the authenticity really comes across. If you can't, it feels a lot of times just try like they were either trying too hard and didn't have anything to work with, or like they weren't trying at all because there's literally nothing there. So like, I think that's sort of the double-edged sword of a lot of mumblecore. Yeah. I, as far as relating goes, maybe this is just me. I relating, I think was sort of the downfall here for me. There's something about, there's a very specific, like, era-specific gender, just like the way the two women are, that, like, I can remember the first time I saw this, like, I was in high school, and it's like, yeah, no, worst-case scenario was being Anna Kendrick. That's, like, the nightmare. It's, like, so embarrassing. It's so scary. Um, but And this is Olivia Wilde's, like, peak sort of pick-me-girl phase, where, like, she was just cast because she was super hot, and she was, like, funny enough to get along with the guys. <laughs> and there's like there's just a really specific attitude i get really 
it makes me nervous like when I'm watching it like I'm I'm married to somebody and you watch it and I remember turning to him several times I was like if I ever see you like touching a girl's leg if I walk into our house you have your hand on someone's leg like I she hugs her when she sees her and I was like I would scream at the top of my lungs <laughs> if I was like cheated on with someone who I hugged when I saw them like it's it's to me that sort of got to me that sort of got to me a little bit but like I mean in that sense it is relatable it, it succeeds there but it makes me uncomfortable the entire time because it feels like a call out it's like man what if everything just like fell apart and I'm like I don't, oh. what like no don't like it's yeah I don't know it's rough yeah that's that's really interesting because when I'm watching these movies it's very like I don't relate that much to any of the characters personally I don't think or at least like none of them hit for me but like the only characters in these movies that I like really could relate to are the male characters who like I feel like relating to Jake Johnson or to Ron Livingston in this movie is fine. They're not portrayed as obviously they're not portrayed entirely positively, mm -hmm. but like there aren't any of those pitfalls that you mentioned, like with Anna Kendrick and Olivia Wilde and their characters. So like, I mean, maybe this is a bigger discussion than we have time for, but like how are women represented in Joe Swanberg's movies? It does. It's something I hadn't thought about. <laughs> Like, I think the thing is that it's really reasonable to, like, be into Olivia Wilde. Mm -hmm. So, like, that nobody is, like, mad at this guy for, like, being into his friend who he's cool with, <laughs> Olivia Wilde. You're like, oh, for sure. And that's sort of how they turn the audience against the Anna Kendrick relationship, I think. Because you're like, wow, these two are so great together. And then they're like, okay, so you think you should break up with his girlfriend, is what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, they sort of put the audience in that place. In my opinion, like, that's where, that's the, where they try to stick you i don't think it's an especially bad representation of women i i thought olivia wilde's bit uh near the end talking about you know i didn't do anything wrong you're the person who did something wrong sort of calls out like that the plot like maybe even the audience like you've been watching this maybe thinking olivia wilde did something wrong i didn't think she did anything wrong i thought she was a fine representation anna kendrick too for me it's more of it's not that anna kendrick is represented as nagging but she's represented as feeling like she's nagging. That sort of makes me anxious. The thing when she's like, I'm so sorry, can we have a conversation that's really hard? I'm so sorry about that. And then at the end, she's clearly angry and she's like, I'm not angry. No, no, I'm not angry. That was a great conversation. We did really well. It's that sort of insecurity, which I think is realistic, mm -hmm. that makes me um, project onto the character and feel bad. And of course, like, of course, it's her feeling bad. But yeah, I mean, I just think that maybe it's accurate to real life. I don't think that the male characters in this, Ron Livingston's sort of excluded. He doesn't really have anything to reflect on necessarily. Jake Johnson doesn't really, until the very end, reflect on anything, in my opinion, about what he's been doing or how he's been acting. So we, we never really see him feel, in my opinion, especially bad for what he's done or how he's been behaving because he doesn't seem to see anything wrong with it. Whereas Anna Kendrick sees everything wrong with everything she's done and she hasn't done anything wrong, especially the entire time. I mean, she she has a moment that is like explicitly wrong, which is the whole point, right? Like her mm -hmm. her moment is like definitely wrong and his are all, they're all gray area, but they all add up. You know, other than that, like in her relationship, she hasn't been, you know, carrying on <laughs> any kind of weird emotional affairs with anybody and she still feels bad the whole time. So... Mm -hmm. I think uh, Ron Livingston's character, 
he he does the right thing. He kind of says, as soon as reasonably he can, says we need to have a chat about it. And uh, you know, um, Olivia Wilde says, no, I don't really want to take me home. And uh, and then yeah, it's no. I love Ron Livingston's character because he's just. He was he was the only one that actually did something that makes sense. Everyone else was like, it was really obvious that Jake Johnson and Olivia Wilde like were into each other, but then there's all that weird stuff of like, oh, he's taking care of her and like his girlfriend's gone. I don't know, it's just really frustrating to watch. It's like everyone in this movie was felt like an asshole. I thought at first I thought it was just like I really didn't like Anna Kendrick's character at first when like that whole forest scene was weird, man. Like they had no chemistry. I don't know where that came from. And it was just really, really hard to watch when they like kiss. I love it when she's, uh, you know, breaking out her her new picnic camping stuff. It's uh, it's brilliant. <laughs> I think it really it captures the character fantastically. She's deeply embarrassed by this, um, but also really proud that she's got it. <laughs> she's embarrassed by everything she's ever done. Everything yeah. she's ever done is embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And, she, and she's a primary school teacher so yeah she's not used yeah. to <laughs> I, mean, I think their chemistry comes from ron livingston thinks that like is actually impressed by her right like there's the conversation because this was my second time watching it there's the conversation where she's you know like i'm a special ed teacher and he's like wow that's like amazing and he's like willing to engage with her intellectually whereas jake johnson oh, is obviously the character jake johnson always plays which is like just a guy Oh. Yeah. <laughs> when he said it, I thought I thought it came off sarcastically. I guess I misread that, <laughs> like, like he was pretending to be interested or something. Oh. <laughs> I mean, even no, if I mean, it was it sarcastic, it was like versus what Jake Johnson would have said, which you know would have been to completely brush it off. Even if Ron mm-hmm. Livingston is being sarcastic there, he is still inviting more conversation, right? Right. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, Jake Johnson's character—they were trying to buy into like, oh, Olivia Wilde. Uh, has like a lot of chemistry with him he just had a lot of chemistry with like everyone though like he was just like a really charismatic guy and i I felt like all the scenes with anna kendrick weren't necessarily like less there wasn't less chemistry than with him and olivia wilde it was just more like does he prefer someone that's also an alcoholic (laughs) or someone (laughs) or someone that can take care of him but then also is might be cheating on him i don't know like, I feel like it's implied something might be going on because after she kisses him, the Ron Livingston's character, she goes on that trip, but then there's that book he gives her later that comes up. So it's, like, implied that they saw each other again. I and... think that's Ron Livingston visiting her, and I think the point of her bringing it up, like, just the way she says it, and what she's wanting from him in that moment is for him to be jealous or oh, angry oh, or to say it's weird, and he doesn't even really note it he doesn't really seem to care uh i mean like i think she she does like she moves on it and she clearly moves on it pretty immediately like she she brings it up she attempts to bring attention to the vibe which jake johnson doesn't do you're right jake johnson has chemistry with everyone all the time that's sort of i think how he's cast in most that he's easy to cast because i think if you put him with most people you believe a will they won't they olivia wilde's the same and she's the same here so i think they have like a very potent chemistry which mm-hmm. adds to the discomfort of, of the whole situation. But yeah, I mean, Anna Kendrick is, anno- the first time I watched this, she was just annoying. She just annoyed me, her character. 
which is insane. <laughs> Rewatching it now, being older, I'm just like, she's fine. Like, she's literally fine. <laughs> she's not doing anything wrong. He, like, Jake Johnson is 10 times more annoying to me than she is now, now that I rewatch. I know we're going to get it, get into her performance and, you know, Anna Kendrick's character a little bit more later. But I really, I kind of, I, I always see that's actually Anna, my interpretation of what Anna Kendrick is as an amalgam of all the films that I've seen her in. I kind of see her as this slightly awkward, but kind of genuinely lovely person who stays at home and makes incredible looking kind of arts and crafts things. I mean, we can pretty much, we can just talk about it now. I think I said this in our Happy Christmas episode, despite Happy Christmas and Drinking Buddies being some of my least favorite movies we've watched for this show, I do think that like they are some of my favorite Anna Kendrick performances because it does feel like this is just who she is. And I don't know if that's true, but because of the format of Mumblecore and how she does just kind of have to riff on everything else, these feel like the most authentic performances. And I think she's really good at like in these movies. I think she's cast, I think Joe Swanberg knows how to cast her really well. Although I don't like Joe Swanberg, but that's not on Anna Kendrick at all. Casting is his whole, that's it, right? Like with Bumblecore, casting would be the number one most important element, I would think. Mm-hmm. Because you need to make sure that, that they can they can really do it, be really yeah. comfortable. And and I mean, Anna Kendrick, yeah, for sure. I, I think she feels like a real person here. She tells jokes. I think one of like the hardest parts to watch is she'll tell jokes and Jake Johnson won't laugh at them. There's one really early on where like it pans over to him going like, just take the shoes off, like the shoes hurt. And she goes, I don't want everyone to know I'm short, which is like such a funny joke. Like, I, I love laugh that out moment. Loud. Yeah, absolutely. And he just doesn't laugh. He's like, like he sort of plays off of it. He does like improv off of it for sure. But like, he doesn't even sort of show her like, that was a really funny joke. <laughs> I felt like it was like a great bit. That's what's frustrating about Mumblecore calling it a comedy is it's not appreciated in the movie as a joke. It's appreciated as part of the conversation they're having. And like, you, you know, Anna Kendrick's not completely annoying to be around. Sometimes she says pretty funny stuff. Like she's good in social situations. It feels like it's just one of those as opposed to like an actual piece of comedy in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm talking about with the double-edged sword. Like, because if that was scripted, that would have been hilarious. But since it's just improvised, like, it comes and goes, I don't even remember that moment. And I really should, because, you know, it was one of the few funny jokes in that movie. Um, What about Ron Livingston? I actually really liked him because of how boring he was, if that makes sense. Oh, I 100% agree. Actually, like, my favorite moment in this movie is where he, like, walks up. Hold on. He, like, walks up to Jake Johnson and he's like, all right, do you guys want to go camping? Do you guys want to go hiking? And Jake Johnson says, absolutely not. He goes, that is totally cool. That's, like, my favorite moment in this whole movie. Yeah. And then he looks at his girlfriend and they don't even, like, answer. (laughs) Like, they just skip to him walking alone in the woods. With Anna Kendrick, that was kind of yeah. Cool. But yeah, it was As just like who doesn't like hiking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I would. Great moment. He, Jake Johnson gave me hope to say no to hiking in the future yeah. and be socially acceptable. Person. Yeah, I I wanted to go hiking. That's. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, like he he was like a charisma black hole in a way, and it like worked really well for this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I he, think he, that's he a bit harsh, well. especially as I identified uh, as. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> so it's super weird because, like, I agree, but also that makes him one of the highlights of this movie for me. Like all the other characters here are, well, I guess technically not Anna Kendrick, but Olivia Wilde and Jake Johnson just straight up are comedians. Anna Kendrick is well known for her, like, very energetic personality. And so all you've got these three high-energy performers, and then you've got Ron Livingston for some reason. And, like, <laughs> just the fact that he's not also a high-energy performance is, like, kind of a breath of fresh air in this movie. He does like yes he he's a bit of a charisma black hole but like that makes everyone else kind of have to play off him in really interesting ways like Jake Johnson and Olivia Wilde can just riff on each other Jake Johnson doesn't know what to do around Ron Livingston and it's a little funnier that way yeah, yeah, I mean, he's. I know him from Office Space. Like, I grew up watching Office Space. I think my dad probably showed me that movie when I was like eight years old, and I've, I've watched it ever since. And it, it just gets better every time I watch it. So I think of him as comedy. So for me, it's a little bit of a letdown. He's doing comedic bits, but again, like they're not being appreciated, especially because being mumblecore, all of the high points are sort of in in Olivia Wilde and Jake Johnson's interactions with each other and in their chemistry. But Ron Livingston's character is very interesting to me. I noticed that he seemed to be sort of purposefully portraying or being told to portray whatever, like an autistic character, like a mildly autistic character. There were moments where he was saying, I guess you just have to take people with their word when they like you. Things like that. With like, I mean, and with Olivia Wilde, that's reasonable. Like it is genuinely hard to tell um, if she does or doesn't like you at any point in time. That is sort of a, a downfall for her. But I, there were just several other times where he seemed to be confused. People seemed to be giving him, and, and again, it's super mild and, and sort of realistic in that. I mean, he's, you know, like you say, like in his 40s, he can pretty much read. He's learned to read almost every social situation. But when it's like, you know, he's like, I guess that's what they want to do. I don't know. Or just we should break up now because I kiss somebody else. So we should do that. Like very matter of fact and understanding of of that. I thought that was very interesting just a sort of element to add to the movie without specifically saying it. Cause there are a lot of people that just are whatever, like that diagnosed or not or whatever. So it, it makes a lot of sense to have, but Ron Livingston for me, I mean, he does a great job at it, but when I see him on a poster or something, I'm expecting him to be super funny. So there is sort of a letdown in that for me. That, that's really interesting. Cause I have to admit, I kind of first knew about Ron Livingston in uh, he's in Band of Brothers isn't he? I'm not confusing him with somebody else. Do you know the kind of Spielberg TV show about mm-hmm. the Second World War? I think he's in that yeah. as a kind of bit of an arsehole. Yeah, I have seen Office Space, but to me, his kind of natural role is this kind of slightly deadpan, bit of an arsehole character. And I think it's it's an interesting take on, on that. I'm interested by that. I definitely have to rewatch Office Space because my impression, I saw Office Space a long time ago, but like when I think back on Office Space, I always think of him as a Jason Bateman type character, like Jason Bateman in Arrested Development, where yes, he's Mm -hmm. funny, but he's the straight man to everyone else's like really wacky characters. Mm -hmm. 
That's he's not like, inaccurate. He's like extremely <laughs> depressed Jason Bateman <laughs> off his face. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't have the Jason the Jason Bateman like asshole face that mm. like that I think colors any Jason Bateman performance where you're watching him and you're like, I don't know why I hate this guy, but I do. Ron Livingston more like he's doing the same performance, but you're like, this guy seems I could talk to him. Like if I got stuck talking to this guy at a party, I would be like, oh, thank God at like an office party, which is why he's perfect for that casting. Mm-hmm. But uh, it kind of seems like, you know, oh, Anna Kendrick is stuck talking to this guy. Um, and I'm like, oh, he seems fine to talk to. He's a little overly intellectual, but that's where his that's his wheelhouse. That's his thing. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like bringing up poetry and that's kind of whatever lame maybe not like super applicable to the circumstance he's like at a brewery talking and he's like talking about sisyphus or whatever it's a hipster uh, brewery though that's it true. so yeah anything anything goes surely hipsters are all posers though i know and that's so. why it's important to bring up poetry in uh, hipster breweries catches them exactly. out makes them feel on edge that's true <laughs> I don't know if I've seen any, like, I, I, I can't really compare this to many other Mumblecore movies because the only one I've seen is the Anna, other Anna Kendrick one, from what I remember. Like, is there, what's like a really good Mumblecore movie that you could like compare? Oh, you, you is, asked is the possible? wrong crowd for that. <laughs> <laughs> Francis Ha? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Francis Ha is the one everyone, I haven't seen it. It's good. It is good. It's a well worth a watch. Well, what makes it so good? How how would you compare Francis Ha to Drinking Buddies? (laughs) (laughs) It's the performances, I think. It's the, you know, you feel for all of the characters. Or the, you know, the people who you're meant to feel for. And I, I suppose in Drinking Buddies, there isn't really a clear kind of defining who am I rooting for person. The thing that kind of frustrates me so much about the Mumblecore movies I've watched, because they've all been from Joe Swanberg, so I can actually just complain about Joe Swanberg here, is that, like, I have the Wikipedia open, and I just glanced over at it, and it said, Joe Swanberg got the idea for Drinking Buddies when he got a craft brewery set at the at Christmas. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. He got a gift and decided to make a movie. And, like, that's not a concept. That's just having a gift and saying... I wonder what Olivia Wilde would do with this gift. And like, that's the thing that bothers me so much about these. Cause I think there's a lot to be said about improv, like improv comedy obviously is like a big thing, but even improv drama is an interesting idea. And I think it can definitely work. But the examples I've seen are Joe Swanberg getting his buddies together so that he can get a hundred thousand dollars to make a movie that no one will watch. And like, (laughs) cool, but I don't get what the point is. And it's just frustrating for me. Why does everything have to have a point? Can't can't we learn something about humanity through other people's experiences? On the one hand, you're right. On the other hand, that is exactly the defense of Joe Swanberg that I dislike. Like, why does everything have to have a point? Sure, not everything has to have a point. But some things probably should. And, like, he's got 20 or 30 movies under his belt where he just, like, got a bunch of famous people together so that he could get several hundred thousand dollars to make a movie that, like, doesn't say anything. And 
that's not inherently a bad thing. But by the time you've done that 20 or 30 times, maybe it's time to, I don't know, make a Marvel movie or something. <laughs> I'm, I, I would strongly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. When I read improv, like when I first saw about this movie and I read that it was all improv, I got really excited because I was raised with like, Christopher Guest. <laughs> like, if you told me, like, this whole movie was improv, I'd be like, holy shit, that's gonna be hilarious. Like, this is Spinal Tap, all improv. So when I was then given this, which is a, a different interpretation, sort of, I guess, of the term, like, improv, just, like, on its own, it's like, little I improv, it, it was a letdown in that sense. I was expecting something really, really funny. And, and I think Jake Johnson's the right person for these movies i think he's super lucky that he's really good friends with jake johnson <laughs> but even in um i know you wanted to talk about this a little bit later but like in the other joe swanberg movie i've seen is what win it all where jake johnson is the main character he's like a gambling addiction so it's like a, it's a very high stakes sort of situation i i don't think that movie works very well i think it works even less well than this one because it's about something and you keep expecting anything important to happen. And instead it's about a guy with an addiction who's just like having kind of a tough time. <laughs> just pretty like dark, even compared to this one, which is about, a, you know, the rocky point in a relationship. That being like, you know, an addict suffering and struggling, <laughs> being improv is pretty rough <laughs> to watch. And I think maybe it's better that they're about nothing. This is probably as like deep as I would want the mumble core genre to go i think it works best in a romance i just wish it hadn't been so tense like i, I really don't mind him and olivia wilde i don't mind the one-on-one -on -one interactions between characters i think they're interesting but i i dislike and this is just like a preference this i don't think this is a filmmaking mistake but just the the stress of the cheating element constantly happening my brain constantly trying to track when is it cheating is he cheating does he realize he's doing this? Does she realize she's doing this? And of course, like we're building tension. It's a movie, <laughs> but it mm -hmm. feels like it's ultimately for nothing because I don't like Jake Johnson, but I don't have anything against him. I don't have anything to pin against him. I feel like Anna Kendrick's friend. Like, I'm just like, dude, I don't know. Like he weirds me out. Like you said he was hanging out with her for how late? Like till how late? Like that's weird, dude. Like, he gets home late and drunk every single night from like hanging out with her. Like, I think that's weird. <laughs> it makes me feel crazy like you would literally be glad like your friend kissed someone if she was in this relationship like you've been engaged for this long he won't talk to you about getting married because it's too much work which is crazy <laughs> like are they actually engaged as well that's because i'm no. not entirely i'm not entirely well, certain they are name. like yeah. i think they're like yeah they're they're not actually engaged though they're just they felt like they should step up their relationship at some yeah, point they've been together for years and they want to get married, but they haven't actually done that. That's <laughs> yeah. that that step. I don't know. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I was thinking about it, and I think I've seen one other mumblecore movie that I like actually can recommend. Uh, it just came out this year, kind of. I guess it technically came out last year. There's a movie called Seven Days, I think is what it's called. It was actually starring the guy from Deadpool. Uh, the guy who plays the taxi driver oh. in Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, the guy who plays the taxi driver in Deadpool, he goes on an arranged date by his Indian mother with an, with an Indian girl. And they 
I guess it's their first time meeting, but for some reason they like go away for some to, to some place for the weekend, which is a weird step. But oh, is the this not the film where they kind of get exa- yeah? Caught but the thing the is, lockdown. they go away to a different place yeah. for a couple of days, and then they get caught in a lockdown where they have to shelter in place there for seven days. Did I interpret that right? I think that's what happened. I I, I thought they just went back to his house. After the date, yeah. They get locked at his house for seven days, and uh, neither of them really likes each other, but it is a romantic comedy, so, like, over the seven days, you know, they learn to like each other. But, like, that's a movie where I don't know how much of that is improv but it feels like a lot of it probably could be. They're both funny people. They could both improv a lot of that. But, like, I don't know what it is. That one works better for me. I don't know if it's actually... More, if the scenario is more written out or if the people are just funnier or if it's simply like it might honestly just benefit from the fact that it's supposed to be a romantic comedy and it stars literally two people and that's the whole point of the movie where like even if it's a movie about just existing for seven days because there's only two people it ends up feeling less pointless than well, not Happy Christmas, but then something like this where they're just sort of going through their lives for a couple of weeks because there's, you know, four of them. And yeah, they're going through relationship issues, but it's just, it's not, it's not much. I, I kind of, I, that that example of Seven Days, I think the characters are so exaggerated and so different from one another that it doesn't work as well as Drinking Buddies for me. And I, I, I should kind of prefix this by by saying the first time I watched Drinking Buddies, I didn't really like it. The second time it grew on me a lot. And the third time I actually really did like it. And I think possibly it is because of that kind of tension that is built up lessons that the more kind of, you know, it's going to end. And I hope this is okay to drop a spoiler with the throne of a banana in the bin. And to me, it became a lot more about just, relatively normal people who are a little bit kind of interesting in a a way just being together it's not necessary for me it's not necessarily about people cheating on one another or even about their romantic relationships it's about the way that people get on together in different kind of points of their lives yeah i think what's like frustrating about it is like it's like a very straight movie in the sense of like you can just have hot friends Uh, i kept thinking like just have hot friends like you can have a friend that (laughs) i wish you can have a friend that whatever would sleep with (laughs) that you just don't and it seems like none of the characters like view that as a possibility it's like it's not that they're in love it's it's that he like it's like we get along really well like i bet this would be a good relationship were we in it and I feel like there's plenty of friendships and I have like plenty of guy friends and I'm bisexual. I have plenty of girlfriends, but like it doesn't come up because we're all adults. It's a very frustrating movie to watch because it's like be an adult and be like, sure. But what I'm not going to do is like grab her leg if we have chemistry, if we have a vibe like that. And he keeps making moves that it seems like are trying to be presented to us as half moves or like just like sort of a logical progression. And they're not like... <laughs> adults meet people in long-term relationships that they meet people that like they're like sure if i wasn't in a relationship maybe 
we have good chemistry sure i find her attractive just don't like just literally don't do that that's all that is being asked of you is that you don't do that so it's sort of frustrating it's like watching a train wreck sort of makes you doubt him and anna kendrick's relationship more the very end of it sort of becomes a lot more important because of that because you're like oh right they have a relationship they have an existing relationship this is what he needs from a person that's been addressed but him not recognizing that the entire time anna kendrick clearly recognizing that because she comes home early because she doesn't leave him after she just has chemistry with another person <laughs> whereas jake johnson seems to be like i don't know i have like sexual chemistry with this girl i work with so i guess we should probably just end it <laughs> just end the relationship or something that seems to be in the background is just like a really weird and frustrating concept i think to watch uh, yeah I, I totally agree but i kind of i'd add to that the the fact that i think we all have flaws and you know the kind of small nuances of of these flaws you know maybe heightened out a little bit for dramatic tension in this example um, yeah i'm i'm all for more films about flawed human beings doing very little and acting kind of creepily in points but at the yeah, same time it's, with I mean, charisma. It's <laughs> unfortunately so we do have to wrap up we have a couple of questions that we normally like to ask on this show which is where would you guys rate this in re- in relation to the other anna kendrick movies you have seen and i'm actually going to start with pierre today in terms of uh movies and in terms of performance what would you say this is actually i thought this was one of her better performances i think i thought i thought she did really well with the mumblecore style she was really awkward when she had to be if that makes sense um and she was charismatic when she had to be too so i thought that really worked well um she had great chemistry with jake or jake johnson and she had that uh, i don't know like like the whole ron livingston thing i guess it's good the lack of chemistry was good in a way i don't really know how i feel about it but yeah and i liked how she was like she she played the adult in the relationship really well between her and jake johnson um so yeah i I actually placed it in like the upper tier In, in terms of movies probably Probably mid to upper tier too. Like I actually would place it around Pitch Perfect, maybe area. Like <clears throat> it wasn't an enjoyable movie to watch. You know, Dad, I'll watch it again. But it did make me feel very uncomfortable. But I'm, I think in like a good way. Like I think this movie just like makes it makes us feel uncomfortable because it highlights how maybe how fragile these relationships can be, or like how how weird feelings are. So yeah. It's it's definitely like an interesting experience to watch, and the best mumblecore movie I've seen because I've only seen two. <laughs> you summarized it so much better than I did in uh, <laughs> and briefly. <laughs> it's it's only because I was listening to your great your your great arguments that I was able to summarize it. <laughs> it's because I'm a little bit drunk in true mumblecore style. That's well, Astro. What would you say? Yeah, I'd kind of, I fully agree. I'd, I'd put it definitely towards the top end of performances of Anna Kendrick that I've seen. I hinted at, a, at it before. It felt authentically Kendrick or my idea of what she would be like. And I liked it. Yeah. As, as I say, you know, the first time I watched the film, I probably would have put it somewhere in the middle. But now it's one of my favorites. 
that she's been in nice. that okay. I've seen. Rachel, how about yourself? I think it's a it's a better movie than I remember it being, which is very frustrating because I got a lot of joy out of hating it and being very like, that's actually bad. That's actually a very bad movie that everybody thinks is good. It's bad. I've always thought, I think, that her acting and everyone's acting in the movie is really great. I think that hers is really good. I think that her exact role is really well done by her, really accurately played, really relatable, sort of makes it super painful. As far as I think I haven't seen the bad Anna Kendrick movies, to be honest with you. I've mainly seen the the better ones, including like Pitch Perfect. But I would put this up there with like one of my favorite performances by her. She she rarely does a really bad one. Sometimes I think she's directed to be especially kooky. And here she doesn't really do that. And I like that. It's sort of with Up in the Air, where she's just a believable person who's like having a weird time right now. So, I mean, as far as movies go, I guess probably upper tier just as far as what I've seen her in. But it's one of my favorite performances by her. She's completely believable. Not for a second do I doubt anything that she's saying or doing for that character. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. For me, like, as a movie, this is pretty near the bottom for me, personally. It's not the Mark Peace experience, but, like, it's not very good either in my opinion but at the same time like in terms of Anna Kendrick's performance I would put this I actually put Happy Christmas a little bit ahead of this but both of them are very very high for me on the list I think she is like phenomenally cast in these mumblecore movies she just really thrives in that environment which I guess is frustrating to me because I end up not liking the movies that much but um she is really good in those roles and so for me as well this would be this would be pretty high in terms of performance. So I guess the last things are, I'm going to start with you, Rachel, where can listeners find more of you? And also, is there anything like you want to promote? <laughs> Unfortunately, perhaps my biggest following is on TikTok. Um, if you uh, look up, no, I will not stop talking on TikTok. These days are mainly active during the holiday season. Uh, I talk about uh, goop gift guides mainly um and dumb wellness stuff uh i have a, a youtube account the best way to get to that to be honest with you is to go to tiktok and link find the link there or we can like post a link i just have a few videos on there uh but i bought a new mic so maybe i'll do more and as far as promotion i don't really have i think that if you have Disney Plus, probably like sit down and watch the movie Pixel Perfect. It's the ex machina of our time, <laughs> which is also ex machina. No, but honestly, I think that's a really, I have a YouTube video about it. I think it's a really bizarre and strange movie. I want more people to have seen it because it's, it's a genuinely sort of unhinged piece of cinema that um, made it all the way to the mainstream to me when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> um but yeah, that's really all I've got. So yeah, at no, I will not stop talking. Uh, no spaces on TikTok. And of course, uh, I'll link all that in the show notes. And I'll I'll probably just link the Pixel Perfect video too, because that's a really good video. It's it's my best video for sure. It's why I made the entire account. It was just I became obsessed with the movie and I kept rewatching it. And I just like, ha I had to do it, so... And uh, Astro, how about you? Where can listeners find more of you? Or uh, is there anything you want to promote? Or both? 
<laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it might surprise you. I'm not massively social. Um, so, um, I am part of uh, the Academy of Death Racers, and we're just uh, preparing the yearly award ceremony at the moment. So uh, that's going to be live the day before the Oscars. We're all going to go through the Oscars categories, vote as if we were members of the Academy, but also, and this makes us better, obviously, we'll actually all have watched all of the films and we'll vote in our own categories as well. So if that sounds fun, look up the Academy of Death Racers. And we're very active on Discord and there's Reddit as well. And uh, last year, Pierre and I hosted that event, and I think we're going to be at least two of the hosts this time. There may be more hosts, but we'll be there for sure. So you're you're definitely going to be the anchors. That's a perfect definite. Yep. The, it it was really fun to do last year, and I'm very excited to do it again this year. I'm going to try and like. I mean, last year it was uh, like mumblecore, mostly improvi- improvised. This year, I'm sure it will still be mostly improvised, but I'm going to like try and at least figure out what props I need beforehand. I did a lot of like set changes last time, and those were uh, almost entirely just out of the blue. So maybe this time I'll have like a couple more I'll, I'll have a couple more props lined up ready to go. Thank you guys so much for coming on. And next week, we're going to do a Jennifer Aniston episode. And a big thanks this week to our good friend, Chris, who did the cover artwork for this episode. If you like what you see, or, you know, if you're interested in seeing more, you can find Chris on Instagram at the Film Noob, or you can find her on Twitter at Le Crispy Chick, and also on Letterbox. So that will be linked in the description. As well, I would like to thank very much Jeff Harvey for the song Sunny Morning Jazz, which was used heavily in the first half of this episode.